Welcome to Achieve More, the High Performance Transformation Podcast, where we discuss tactical, easy-to-use ways to help community and broader public sector organizations, teams, and individuals to transform and achieve higher performance. I am your host, Michael Scheel, and I am a high-performance coach and transformation consultant. I help people and teams find their vision, learn how to overcome their barriers, improve, and transform their lives and organizations and achieve so much more. Welcome to the Achieve More podcast, episode number three, five steps to creating a project plan for just about anything. Okay, this particular podcast is for any of you who've ever been asked to organize a project or to plan something out and you think to yourself, I am not a project manager, I have no idea how to do that. How the heck am I supposed to figure out a project plan for that activity when I've never done that before? And so if you've ever been asked to plan out a project, create a project plan, figure out what activities you need to do, and you don't know where to start, and you don't know what to do, and you have no idea what it kind of looks like, then this episode's for you. So today I'm going to walk you through, uh, and you can see it in the notes, you can see it too, I'll show you how to create a plan from scratch, including figuring out the main project phases, planning out the main activities, figuring out the timelines, and determining your resources. You're going to hear about the three main ways that you can to that you, that you can use to create a project plan. I've got one that I prefer that is used that that I've used over and over again. But then I think is actually best for beginners as well, and I'll walk you through the steps in using that as well. I also want to remind you that in episode number two, uh, I introduced a framework for transformation. And actually, if you apply this podcast, the knowledge from this podcast, and you layer it over the framework from from last week's podcast, you get all the secret sauce that you need to be able to create really a transformation plan for just about any project. And, you know, experience helps, but you don't need to have the experience to be able to create the plan. I have literally created oodles and oodles of plans for projects where I have little or no experience in that particular field. And that's just because as a transformation consultant, I need to be able to bring those those skills and those those, those tools and those skill sets to every project that, that bears. But, but I find with the, the staff and community sector organizations, you go through the same thing. You get asked to do things and, and you don't necessarily know how to do that. So, you know, I have used this same set of approaches, the framework from last week and the set of activities I'm going to tell you this week. I have done that to create a, uh, a lean mapping process to clean surgical tools. I've done that to streamline uh, a lottery process. I've even used it to create a high performance staffing model for a hedge fund. I have no idea how to run those things on a day-to-day basis usually, but if you use a consistent framework and a consistent set of tools, you can actually start to apply it to a variety of things. So I'm going to teach you some of the some of the tricks of the trade that can help you uh, apply this to things that even if you don't know how to do it. Uh, and you can, you can actually use this approach to plan for just about anything. So you can use it for both personal and professional. Uh, I was chatting with a coaching client just earlier this morning and recommending that she use the exact same model for help to help her sort of plan out how she's going to do one of her, her personal hobbies. I've even used this approach to, to plan uh, my wedding uh, literally decades ago. Now, my wife didn't like being project planned, but you can use this approach for personal as well as professional things. Okay, so to start off, uh, there's three things um, that I think you really need to plan any transformation project or any kind of project. So the three things you kind of need, number one, that standard approach that you can use repeatedly so you get comfortable with it. Number two, a good framework that helps you set up the right activities every single time. And number three, solid ways to refine your model each time 
And that's where the, the magic is if, if you're doing it in a, in a sector that you don't know or a service that you don't know, figuring out what are the ways that you can, you can get that expertise to refine your model. All right, uh, I'm gonna move on to the three main ways you can create a project plan. And there might be others, but these are the, the main that I've seen over the last 22 years. Um, so way number one is a work breakdown structure. And this is the one they teach you at project management school. And so a WBS, short for work breakdown structure, it's really a simple way to brainstorm activities that can be used to create a schedule. So this is where you get a bunch of stickies. Uh, you get people to think about what is every single activity that we need to do to complete this project. And you put all those stickies up and then you spend time rearranging them into like activities. And then that can sort of group it into different phases and, and work. And it kind of focuses you down to create a bit of a detailed breakdown of major tasks into more detailed subtasks. You number them and organize them and you get them into a logical sequential fashion. It's nice and complete and comprehensive and anybody can do it and you can brainstorm it with the team. It's a nice team building exercise too. But, um, you know, I think the downsides are it's great in those circumstances, but often you don't have, you know, the luxury of time and a ton of colleagues and lots of stickies to be able to do that. I think lots of time you're gonna be asked, okay, come up with this plan and tell me tomorrow or the next day or really, really soon. Um, and you don't have access to all of those things. So then how do you create the plan? Uh, the other way, way number two, uh, is what I would call the bottom-up approach. And I've met lots of clients who like this approach. Uh, and that is where you literally start to write down every single activity that you uh, think you need to do for your project uh, in sequential order. And some people like this because, you know, it's a very linear way of looking at it. And so maybe you, you would go down and jot down all your ideas in order, then you go back to the beginning and you start, sort of rearrange them. Now, I, that idea is fine, but I think it also doesn't work so well if you don't know how to do what it is you're being asked to do. And as is so often the case, I find that the staff in, in community sector organizations and broader public, public sector organizations are asked to do these things when they haven't had a chance to before. And so if you don't have that subject matter expertise, it's really hard to do that, I think. Which is why I like uh, way number three, which is taking a top-down approach. Um, this is the approach that I use even now um, as an expert with you know hundreds of projects under my belt, um, but it's the way that I think is really, really super useful for beginners as well. And what that top-down approach is, is says you use a structured approach with structured phases that helps guide you into creating the plan. And so you would know every, every time, here's the three or four or five phases that I'm gonna need to do for a project, and here's the kinds of activities that I need to do. And you fill that in first thinking top down, and then you start to refine it as you think about it a little bit more and you get more and more detail layered in. And I like that because it helps get you kickstarted. It helps you, you get some progress. And even if you don't know everything that you're doing, you at least make some progress and it starts to get, get you thinking about it and you start to get some, some, some momentum. So to take that top down approach, I'm gonna give you the five steps that it takes to, to actually do that. And I would say the first three steps that I'm gonna tell you are absolutely bare minimum. The final two steps, I think really make it a solid plan, uh, but you don't necessarily need them. So step number one is you start to map out the work. You ask yourself, what are you really trying to do? Now this is your why question. Why am I doing this? What am I really trying to achieve? What are the major deliverables? So if, you're, if, you're, if your manager comes to you and she says, I need you to, you know, reduce the cost for this service, figure out a way for us to cut 12% um, out of the costs. Well, then you know that that is your goal, but it could also be, I need you to cut 12%, but also increase the service quality. 
I get asked to do that all the time on my clients. So then you've got a couple of multiple goals, and so you've got a couple of multiple streams of activities. So you start to think, what are those major deliverables? What is it you're trying to accomplish? What are the things that when you hand them over to a steering committee or to your boss, your manager, or whatever at the end of the, the day that says, here, I'm done the project, here are the things you've asked for. That is one way to map out the project. So step number two uh, is to block out the work. So now that you know what kind of those deliverables are, you start to create the logical chunks of work or the sets of activities that you need to do to be able to achieve that. So again, if the, and then you sort of ask yourself, what are those logical groupings of work? So, you know, typically it's around, you know, maybe collecting the information, then you analyze the information, figure out your options, and then you present your options. That's, that's, that is a classical way of doing this. So, you know, a good, a good starting point for any sort of project plan is, is to think about sort of anywhere from three to five different sets of activities. That seems to be the basic way that sort of works for, for most projects. Particularly if it's a small project, that works just fine. This is where I would suggest that you think about the framework that, that we talked about in episode number two, uh, where I laid out sort of the, the five-step framework for, for any transformation project. It works perfectly right here. You can use that to chunk out your groups of work and then put your activities within that. So step one was mapping out the sort of the why of the work, what is it you're trying to achieve. Step two that we just talked about is blocking out the work, the sets of work. And then step three is once you've got those sort of sets of activities or the, the phases figured out, step three is creating a list of activities within each phase. And this is really comes down to brainstorming. So if I know, you know, step one is creating the foundations, the project foundations, I know I need to create the project plan, create the risk plan, create the quality plan. I know I need to plan and kick off the, the project. I mean, any project I do, those are bam, those are the first, you know, four or five activities that I'm going to want to do. So you've already got some activities right there. If you know your, your phase two is going to be your in-state visioning, uh, what is it that I'm trying to achieve to describe and trying to describe that? Well, just think through your activities then to get to that. What is it that I need to do? Hmm, I need to brainstorm. Well, what do I need to do to brainstorm? Do I need some other people? Do I need a pen and paper? Do I need a room? Do I need a whiteboard? Um, how do I need to set up? Do I need to read something before I brainstorm? How do you want to document it? So once you've done the thinking, maybe there's an activity in your plan that says um, documents results from the, the brainstorming. Maybe you want to check them with your manager. So step number three in that, that particular phase of work might be review brainstorming ideas with manager. So you just basically brainstorm what are the kinds of things that I want to do to be able to, to achieve each of the things in those phases. Step four, uh, and this is where you get into a little bit more. So I would say the first three steps, those ones are absolutely the most uh, the bare minimum. So thinking about what it is, what are the major deliverables and the goals of the project? Number one, number two is blocking out the phases of work. Then number three is thinking through what are those activities? If nothing else, those are the bare minimums for, for planning out any project. But step four, I would think about is dependencies. And this one I think is kind of important because this is, this is what catches beginning project managers um, a little bit. This is a pitfall that many people fall into. Sometimes some activities need to be done before the next one can be done. So a later activity might be dependent on a, on a predecessor activity. So this is called dependencies or predecessors. So you wanna think through, do I need to complete any one thing before I complete the next? So a classic example might be, I need to have uh, my project foundations, I need to have my detailed project plan, my project charter signed off before I start doing phase two work. Now, if phase two work is the future state vision, 
I often like to have my clients sign off on that and say, yes, this is the this is the vision that we're that we're aiming for before I start doing any sort of analysis. How do I get from here to there? So think about your dependencies. What do you have to have done before you start the next step? And then step five is the tricky one, which is coming up with some timelines. Uh, and this is this is indeed a lot easier if you've got experience. Uh, but really, you kind of have two choices here. Often with community sector projects, you're, you're told, I've only got three months to do this. You know, your funder might say, we're giving you three months, we're giving you funding, but you have to have this done in two and a half months or three months. I hear that all the time. So then you basically sort of have to have to model it backwards. If you know what the activities you need to do to get from here to there, you can start putting some some time against them and you basically just tweak it until you get it to the time frame that you've been you've been managed to, to you've been told to manage to by your funder. The other way to do it though is it is to take sort of from the ground up approach that for each activity you put in, roughly estimate how long it takes to, to do each activity. Anytime I do timelines, I do a first run through, a first cut never right the first time then I go back the second or third or fourth time and I sort of tweak it and adjust it so those are the five steps and honestly you can you can project manage out just about anything so step one is is mapping out the the, the why for the work the deliverables the goals the outcomes that you want step two is blocking out the work into chunks of work step three is figuring out the activities under each of those chunks of work step four is figuring out the dependencies between the work if they exist they don't always they don't always do that and then step five is, is timelines. All right. I want to just say a final thing before we end off this podcast on how can I make it better? Here's some, some, some tips I've learned along the way to, to really help you refine it. Um, so, you know, my first tip uh, is, is use that transformation framework that, that, that I introduced to you in, in podcast number two, because that helps you really figure out your chunks of work and you can use it every single time. And like I said at the beginning, I like a good framework that I know I can use in a variety of different situations. It gives me comfort and structure. And that framework that I introduced to you guys is absolutely an industry gold standard approach. It absolutely can work for a whole bunch of different situations. Tip number two, you can look for lessons learned to best practices. So something, and, and even the big consulting firms do this. I do this lots for my clients because it's really useful. Whatever the project is, you can go off and do a search for lessons learned to best practices on how other organizations similar to you have done this kind of work. And you can go, go ahead and actually take a look and there's lots of documents on the internet for things like this, but you can also phone them. So if you're trying to streamline, I'm just gonna make this up, streamline your, your, your back office accounting system, and you don't know how to do that, well, you can go and Google it and find out who else has done this. You can go and take a look and find other organizations that are similar size to yours and find out you know, if, if anyone else has done that and go and take a look and see who you can call and you can ask them, how did you do this? What did you think about? What was your plan? How long did it take? What were your risks? Consultants do this all the time. It's, it's, a, it's a great way to learn how to do something better. So I mentioned uh, earlier in the podcast that I had once helped, uh, I, I led a project to do a lean mapping of cleaning of surgical tools for an emergency department uh, at a hospital. Um, I'm very good at lean mapping. I'm not so good at understanding how to clean surgical tools. And so obviously I did a best practice and lessons learned approach. I took a look and found some other hospitals that had recently upgraded theirs and done what was considered the gold standard. And I went and found who did it. And I interviewed those people. And I asked them like, what are the steps you, what were the steps that you took? 
Um, what were your lessons learned? What was the hardest part? What was the easiest part? How long does it take? What are the standards that I need to know about? And if you do that, that really helps you refine what it is you're doing. And it doesn't actually have to take that long. You just need to figure out who to talk to and ask them some questions and people are very willing to help. And that's sort of, that's number three is actually I've already uh, stolen my own thunder is talking to someone who's done this before. Um, that helps uh, all the time. The trick is finding out who's done this before um, so you can ask them. And sometimes, um, tip number four was, was talking to subject matter experts. So sometimes there's an academic or, or someone in theory or someone who's done it in practice who's an absolute expert at the thing that you're doing. And even if they haven't done that project before, if they know your, if they know your area really well, um, then that is something that could be really useful. So for example, if you've been asked to create a mobile diabetes unit um, and you've never done something like that before, you can find a subject matter expert in diabetes uh, in the delivery of diabetes services, uh, even better, delivery of diabetes services out in the community in a mobile fashion. You can ask them, what are the things that I need to think about? What do I need to do? You can even bounce off of them, the project plan, and ask them, what is, what would you do? How would you do this differently? Okay, that is everything that I have for this particular podcast today. So again, like I said before, if you marry the information from, from this podcast with the one from podcast episode number two, where you learned about the framework, then really you've got the framework and the steps and some ideas on how you can project plan just about anything. Thank you, everybody, and have a great week. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Our goal is to help as many people as possible learn how to improve, transform, and achieve higher performance for themselves, their teams, and their organizations. So, if you like what you heard, I invite you to like, share, rate, and subscribe to this podcast. All of that helps others find us and helps us to achieve our goal of inspiring, engaging, and educating people and teams to improve and achieve more. You can also find the show notes to our website on our website at www.scg.team. Anything I reference in today's episode or any important links will be posted there as well. And while you're at our site, you can also subscribe to our weekly email blast so you don't miss it. Thanks again and have a great week.